Hello listeners and welcome to Retrospective Replay Episode 2, a serialised podcast taking a deep dive into video games. This is Season 2, Metal Gear Solid. My name is Ian. And with me tonight is Michael. Hello. Hello, Ian. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How's your bank holiday? Yeah, not bad. Nice weather. Got out and about. It's good to be able to escape the house. Stretch the legs. Yeah. Go to the pub. Slightly sunburnt, but hey-ho. That's not too bad. Bit of sunscreen next time, no problem. I don't really burn, though. That's the problem. I'm more pink and that'll be fine. But you should wear sunscreen, because, you know, as Baz Lerman told us, remember sunscreen. Anyway. Right then, should we get into it? So this week, we've actually got some gameplay in store, and we're hoping, well, we'll just see how far we can get. There is a lot of dialogue in the first hour of this game. An awful lot of dialogue. An awful lot of Kojima, how would you say it, without swearing. There's an awful lot of Kojima-ness about this game. Lots of fourth wall breaking, as he seems to love to break the fourth wall. With C4. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Right, so yeah, we start the game, um, we hit the menu, go to game start and select the difficulty. So for everyone out there, what difficulty are you playing on? I'm on normal. I'm on normal as well. Um, I think on hard they have, I think that the soldiers are more true to their 180 IQ because the vision really is absolutely terrible. You're no more than 25 feet away from them and they can't even see you, to be honest. Yeah. I don't want to play it hard. I mean, I'm just interested in going back up for the story. And normal is challenging enough. It can be. It can be sometimes, yeah. So, yeah, game starts. We get a cinematic intro. Names start to appear on the screen as we play. Just like with Vagrant Story uh, on the cinematic intro. Like, you know, it's, it's script writers and character actors start to appear on the screen. Snake is swimming up to an underground docking port in a cavern. He surfaces and the music is playing. The best is yet to come by. What, what's her name again, Michael? Oh, she's Irish, so. Ifany Farig. Which then fades into the music cavern. The camera starts to fly over the docking port, showing various soldiers. Snake sits down on the stairs of the dock and he removes his swimming gear, and men can be seen patrolling wearing all white. We can see Liquid Snake standing on a lift. He tells one of the guards to stay alert and he'll be through here, presumably talking about Solid Snake. He tells the guard that he's going to swat down a couple of bothersome flies. The lift then moves up and takes Liquid topside. Snake then crouches down and puts his hand to his head and we hear his codec ring. Which sounds a bit like a 90s Nokia phone, doesn't it? Yeah, a bit. We then go to the codex screen and we'll be seeing a lot of this and what it shows is two faces. On the right it shows Snake and on the left it shows whoever he's talking to. The frequency is shown, who he's talking to at the time, and there's also like a volume level in the middle, a bit like an equaliser that goes up and down. It's all kind of in a monochrome green mm. and then Snake makes contact with the colonel. The colonel asks for a sit rep and Snake tells him that the lift at the back is the only way up. The colonel tells him that he'll have to use that, which it's a pet gripe for the first bit of this game. It it doesn't need to tell you that. I mean, Snake's already told him that the lift's there and it's the only way up. And then the colonel goes, 
oh, you'll have to use that then. It's like yeah, there's, the kernel keeps ringing you every like couple of minutes to say to tell you to do things that you already worked out how to do, and you're like, leave me alone. He's he's kind of you know ringing you up every couple of minutes. And then he adds, make sure nobody sees you. Like, come on, are you serious? Like, surely if that wasn't obvious, you know, from the start, then I don't know what is. The colonel then states that he can be contacted on the codec frequency 140.85, but these go into a memory function in the codec anyway. So anyone you speak to, you can just go to memory, which is easier, and then speak to them again. And then Kojima likes to break the fourth wall, and it's broken straight away now because the colonel says, press select, and you can access the codex. So that's obviously aimed at the player, not at Snake. We then return to the cavern, and what I really like is this transition from cutscene to gameplay, where the the borders fade, so it was in like a bordered film, top and bottom, black borders, and they then fade, and then we can control it. So now we can move around, and we can immediately see to our bottom left-hand side, there's a box in the water, and that's a ration, which gives you health back. When you go into the water, you immediately get an O2 meter. Did you time it at all? Did you notice how long Snake can hold his breath for? No. One minute, 43 seconds. I think there's another ration on the other side as well. There was something. Ah, was there? There was something on the other side, I can't remember what it was. Oh, I didn't spot that. Probably is a ration, yeah. Can't imagine anything too important. So we can then move around the cavern. Um, It's got, like, stacks of shipping-style containers, like, stacks of 12, so it's two by three, and they are too high. And there's two men patrolling. And it looks quite nice, doesn't it, for a PS1 game? There's a nice puddle. Like, some nice reflection in a puddle, yeah. but then when you stand on it, you don't see snake's reflection. However, you do get footprints, and it makes a sound. So there's a few other things you can notice. There's, like, the breath of snake and mm. the guards, the puddle sounds, you can knock on walls. As we move around, eventually, a third guard comes back down for the lift, which gives us something to escape on. So now we need to get to the lift and escape, and if you're spotted, you need to hide, and there's a few places you can hide. I think you can go It's under a forklift on the right-hand side, but the easiest thing to do is literally just run down the middle and you can jump back in the water. And then the, the timer runs down on the on the radar because as soon as you detect it, the radar disappears and you're given a, like a clock and it runs down and then it goes back to normal. So you make your way to the lift, get on there, and we get a cinematic intro. Snake starts to take off his breathing apparatus gear and leaves it on the floor of the lift as it ascends. The camera looks at Snake and the title screen appears, Metal Gear Solid. Tactical espionage action. The screen fades to black and then back in to an exterior shot, and it's nighttime and snowing. You notice as well in that point that he has brown hair. Yes, yes, good point. He does have brown hair. So he had last week we talked how he had blonde hair, and now he sort of dyed it black, black slash brown. Yeah, he had long blonde hair, like Snake who was going up in the lift, Liquid Snake who was going up in the lift, his twin, mm-hmm. and now he has mm-hmm. short brown hair. And I guess because he's on a nighttime op, right? You want darker hair. It's harder to see someone in you know in lower light with dark hair than blonde hair. And he doesn't want to be confused for a liquid snake. Although that might not be a bad way of attempting to infiltrate the base. Yeah, do like um, Sydney and pretend to be other people. Sydney from Vagrant Story. The lift is built into a rock face, and the back of the framework is sticking in an exposed out of the rock face, exposing the entire platform to all the elements. The lift reaches the top. Snake runs out, crouches, and updates his team on his progress via codec. Snake says that he's reached the surface in front of the disposal facility, and Campbell notes that age hasn't slowed him down. Naomi asks how his suit is, and Snake replies that he's dry, but it's stiff and hard to move. He's told to bear with it, it's designed to prevent hypothermia. They then talk about the anti-freezing peptides again, and which I guess covers the bases if you didn't watch the briefings previously. 
Snake moves the conversation towards the diversionary operation. The colonel tells them that two F-16s have scrambled from Galena and that the terrorist radars should already be seeing them. I couldn't find anything on Galena, did you? Galena is a city in Alaska. It's got a military airfield. We then change scene and Snake is kneeling down behind a box looking at Liquid talking to another guard next to a helicopter. Snake then questions to himself about the helicopter being a hind D. He then asks the colonel, via codec, why the terrorists have a Russian gunship. The colonel tells him that he doesn't know, but clearly the diversionary tactic is working, which gives Snake the best chance of sneaking in. The hind takes off and flies away over Solid Snake. Back to the conversation via codec, the colonel says there are only 18 hours left and Snake must hurry. Another unknown female voice tells him, you must be crazy to fly a hind in this weather. Snake asks who that is, and the colonel apologises, saying that he hasn't been introduced. He continues to say that it's Mei Ling, and she is the visual and data processing specialist. We then find out Mei Ling designed Snake's radar and the codec. And, you know, you think you might have a sexist comment here. What, a woman designed the radar after, after last week? No. Yeah. The colonel's face then changes for Mei Ling, and she's an attractive young girl, probably in her early 20s, I'd say. Yeah, maybe early, mid to, I would say mid-twenties, maybe. Early to mid-twenties? Yeah. She says it's nice to meet Snake and it's an honour to be speaking to a living legend. Snake doesn't reply and she asks what's wrong. Snake replies nothing. He just didn't expect a designer of military tech to be so cute. They then flirt back and forth a bit. No, this is Snake again. Now he's a ladies' man. He's sexist and he's a ladies' man. Sexist and a ladies' man. He's James Bond. He's James he? Bond, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They then finish with Mei Ling telling Snake that she's looking forward to meeting the man behind the legend. And then we get some more fourth wall breaking information about the radar system. She tells us that the bright dot is Snake, the red dot's an enemy, and the blue cone is their field of vision, which is really tiny, isn't it? Yeah. Because Naomi then interjects to tell us how highly developed, in quotations, their sight and hearing is, which is total rubbish. Yeah. Colonel then retells us about looking for the Darpa chief, and then we move back to the mailing conversation. She says that if we're discovered, we can't use the radar system. But why? The colonel then says it jams easily, but, uh, you know, my reasoning is because enemies spawn from nowhere as soon as you detect it, right? And they don't want to show that on the radar. They don't want to just throw a dot appearing 10 feet away from you, just out of your vision. Yeah, I mean, that probably makes sense. I mean, there's no reason that the radar would go down because you've been detected. Then Mei Ling says if she ever needs to be called backup mission data, i.e. save, she can be reached on frequency 104.96. 140.96. Thank you. The colonel then tells him to remember that he has no weapons, and Snake pushes back here and he says he was strip-searched by the doctor and had all his weapons taken away. And then it's just, it's, it's silly, isn't it? And then, because Naomi says, if you make it back in one piece, that maybe he'll be able to perform a strip-search on her. And I was like, that, that wasn't needed, was it? Oh, oh, to sexually new windows and undertones. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just not needed, but anyway... He moves on to then talk about how he managed to smuggle out some cigarettes in his stomach. Mailing then asks him how that'll help. And we end on Snake saying, you never know. Smoking is bad for you. <laughs> Smoking is bad for you. Don't smoke. Don't yeah, do drugs. Stay in school. We then return to a, a gameplay cutscene where Snake runs off to the right-hand side of a mound of snow. We switch to first-person mode and Snake automatically equips his binoculars and looks around. The colonel tells him there's a front door as Snake looks around, but Snake notes that he can't exactly walk in. 
Snake spots two sentries and informs the colonel they are armed with five five sixers and pineapples. So do you know what that means? Yeah, five five six is a type of ammunition. So uh, mm-hmm. five hundred and fifty six millimeter cartridges and that's what fits into those guns five five six. And the pineapples are MK two frag grenades because they look like pineapples on the outside. Also, I think it's the only time that Americans use metric is when they talk about weapons rather than imperial. Snake then runs left and repeats the same with the binoculars. He looks at the air ducts on the ground in the second floor and the colonel tells him where they are as he does it. He runs back to his starting position, the borders fade, and then we can play. There's no music in this area, however, they are wind sounds. So let's describe the area. It's outdoors, it's in front of the facility. You know, there's a lot of snow, it's night time. But there's a helipad in the middle where the helicopter obviously took off from. But there's some searchlights that go up and down the helipad. Yeah. I did find a brashin on the bottom left-hand side of the screen uh, straight away. I found the same. Also, did you find a box in the middle of the searchlights? No, I didn't. What was that cardboard box? No, there's a box. There's um, chaff grenades. If you go left, there is a little bit where Snake spots a security camera. And he goes, and he's in his got like a very confused concerned voice going a surveillance camera and in there there was some chaff uh, stun grenades sorry not chaff grenades stun yeah so if you get to chaff grenades you can use those to knock out the security cameras for a little I don't know how long 20 seconds or something I also called Mei Ling at this point again just for a, a chat and she basically when you call her she gives you inspirational quotes so what was the first inspirational quote you got? She said de Gaulle, and she was like, Remember, Snake, graveyards are full of indispensable men. Just a word of wisdom. There's also a truck that you can jump in. I went in the back of the truck, and I got a SOCOM pistol. However, there's no silencer, so if you use it, you alert everyone that you're around. Um, okay, so there was two ways to go in. Vent up and a vent down. What, what did you go through? I went to vent up. Same. Wait, I ran around the side. I went up the stairs. Yeah, I went up the stairs. Yeah. Then there's a guy at the top. Yeah. who managed to spot me and I threw him to the ground and I ran away and went through the vent on the top. Okay, yeah. That's where I went as well. So when we get in the vents, we are we first notice straight away there's a background noise and it's humming, which is probably meant to be humming from the equipment and we're in a first-person perspective and we have to crawl slowly through the vents, which makes a sort of a crawling sound, scraping sound as we go. We crawl forward a very little bit and we get another call on the codex straight away. A man introduces himself as McDonald Miller, Snake replies, Master, what are you doing here? Miller says he's in retirement and has moved out to Alaska for some peace and quiet. He informs Snake the Colonel had told him about the mission and he's here to give support via Kodak. He's lived in harsh environments and can give advice about the flora or fauna. He can be reached on frequency 141.80. There wasn't really much as if you played Metal Gear 5 as 5, the last one. Yeah. He's a big part of that one, and he's and he's you know a good guy in that. But right now, it doesn't mean a lot. Yeah, I think if you've played Metal Gear, you know Master Miller. However, we're not giving away spoilers, no. No. Did you get any more mailing quotes? No. I'm wondering. I went because I rang her too many. I saved it after I got through that point as well. So I right. rang her up, and she gave me a quote about uh, there's a saying in China that you must cross the river before you tell the crocodile that he has bad breath. And basically, it means that. A wise man avoids danger first. So she said, yeah. use your brain to avoid traps and stay away from the enemy. So basically telling you, you know, don't just run around making noise and shooting people if you don't have to. Well, it's like, uh, what we have a similar saying in English, don't we? Like, pay the boatsman when you get to the other side. I've never heard that one. Have you not? About crossing the river of sticks, I think, when you go to hell. Hmm. As we crawl through the vents, we can use triangle to peek out of grates that we can see. 
on the top of the vent, I looked at one and I got a cutscene. The two soldiers are talking. One tells another that the DARPA chief was moved to the cell on the first floor basement. The second man asks what about the vent shaft cleaning. He's told that the vent covers have been opened and they are about to start spraying for rats. Snake notes down the information, but the guard is also told to shut the covers as soon as they have finished spraying and to keep his eye on the woman in the cell. The second guard asks if something happened. The first one replies as an intruder. And honestly, I thought this was about me. I mean, I did this time. I have other times when I played the game. Yeah. Just because I'd been, you know, caught a couple of times. And he also says three guards have been killed and that he's using stealth. Like, using stealth. As if he's, like, wielding it. He's like, ah, oh, I have one stealth in my hand. Well, I knew at this point, though, that it wasn't me because I hadn't killed any guards. So, But then I didn't know, would the game have just had its standard anyway? But then I realized that it it it, it mustn't have been. Because, well, I hadn't killed anybody, so. No. It wasn't I, me. I had. I'd, I'd killed a few, but I don't know if it was three. The camera then cuts the snake in the vents, who says... There's an intruder besides me, so now we know it's not Snake they're talking about. The men finish with the first one saying the security detail on the chief should be increased. So back to the vents, and we just need to crawl to the end, but there's a few more grates to look out of, which don't really show you much. There's a couple of rooms. One's got a camera and a box in. It's there's not really much to see. As we get to an open vent, we get a call, and it's the colonel with more fourth wall breaking stuff, and he says, use the action button to get down. But if you don't do that, there's another ration at the end of the shaft. So we drop down to a new area in the tank hangar. The music, Warhead Storage, is playing in the background. So as we get down, the colonel then rings us back on the codec once again and tells us to use the elevator to change floors. I mean, we're not going to fly. You know, thanks, colonel. <laughs> colonel Obvious. <laughs> colonel Obvious. The CEO. So we're standing on a walkway in a tank hangar. And we have to follow this walkway around to the right, down, left, and then up. So we're going to access some stairs to get down to the first level. If you go left from where you started, you get three chaff grenades. So I missed the first lot, but I managed to get these ones. And as we proceed down the walkway, there's a camera that must be avoided straight away at the top right. And there's one room we can go in. In this room, there's another camera. But if you avoid this, you can pick up a set of thermal goggles. We leave this room and run back over the platforms, go down, left, and back up. And as we're running, we can see a couple of guards down below. As we get to the end of the platform, before going down the stairs, there's another camera to avoid. And avoiding cameras is pretty easy. Normally, you can see the camera on your radar, and you can see its FOV, its field of vision, which is normally quite narrow. We then need to stay out of the field of vision, so in this case, you press yourself up against a wall as the camera turns itself out of view. As it turns, you run under it, and as it comes back, you run the opposite direction. We then move down the stairs, and there's plenty of places to hide. You can hide behind some pillars, you can hide under a tank, and the goal is to get to the lift. I find that hiding under the tank is, makes it a bit hard, because you can't really see where the guys are, because your radar goes off. Right, yeah, and, um, and it's just quite hard to transition from on the floor to getting back up. It's, uh, yeah, I don't really do that. I did run down, and I went to grab a guy... But I went too far, and if you press square, you'll have to grab them from behind, and then you keep it in square, and it breaks the neck and kills them. But I ended up getting caught by the first guy. If you go too far forward and press square, for some reason, I don't know if it's a bug or, or what, but it alerts the guard. The other guard came and ran and shot me, and I died, had to reload. 
It is annoying, because going under the tank makes sense. It's the easiest way to get there, but the way that the radar just disappears is stupid. Yeah. Why can't you use a radar when you're under a tank? No, exactly. It's crazy. So we get to the lift, and we need to select B1. So you just use the D-pad and circle to select B1. It's quite nice. The view shifts into first person as you interact with the buttons on the lift. And you select B1, and the lift travels. And the music fades out, and... When we, as the doors open, the music Intruder 1 fades in. Then we immediately see something on our radar. And I didn't do it this time, but I believe if you call people, you get told that's the Dharma Chief. I went down to B2 first. Okay, but there's not much down there, is there? There's, I think there was one room that was open. I can't remember what was in there. Maybe some stun grenades or something. But yeah. But I went back up to B1 then. Fair enough. There's not many places to go. You just run down the corridor to the right, and we see a ladder. That's going up into the ceiling and the vent is off, probably to spray for rats, I assume. And as we approach it, the code out rings again and it's kernel obvious telling us to use the action button to go up or down a ladder. So now we're in a small section of vents and again, there's a few vents to look down and the first one, you see there's a guy sitting on the toilet. But it's pretty weird looking, isn't it? Yeah, it was, there's something not right about it. I mean, the, the toilet's massive for starters. It looks like it's a toilet for someone <laughs> who's like, you know, 900 pounds. That's another thing it's all about this game. I mean... A lot of the games today people criticise... Sorry, I'm going on a slight tangent here. Sure. They criticise it for being hand-holding and stuff. Mm. God damn it, the amount of times that the colonel rings you up to tell you obvious stuff, if that's not hand-holding. And this game was out, what, 20-odd? more 20 years ago? More than 20 years ago. More. 24 years ago? Yeah. I mean, it could have just had text appear on the screen. As you get near the ladder, text could have faded in. Press the action button to go up the ladder, you know? Yeah. I see what they're trying to do. And Kojima loves his fourth wall breaking stuff. He loves all his weird stuff. Just look at Death Stranding, for instance. Look at other Metal Gear games. It it does it all the time. I think in Metal Gear 4, there's one point where someone rings you and says, Snake, we need to change disc. Put in disc 2. And then goes, Oh, oh yeah. no, it's fine. We're using, we're on the PlayStation 3. We're using Julia Blu rays. We don't need to change discs, and it's like, I don't particularly like it. I don't think I liked it then. I definitely don't like it now. There is one good thing of it later on in this game. Well, we're not going to say it because we haven't gotten Okay, it. that's fair enough. Uh, what, what else I noticed about the guy is that he's fully clothed, sat in the toilet as well. And then he says that he hates Alaska and that the woman is built, and then he gets off and walks out. Wait a minute. Hold, uh, how do you mean he's fully clothed? Everyone's fully clothed when they use the toilet. You just drop your pants. Yeah, but he's fully clothed, and he hasn't dropped his pants. I mean... I mean, I would refute that and talk about JD from Scrubs. You know, there's, he has a whole thing about going to the toilet without any pants on. So it's more freeing. Okay, fair enough. It's probably cold in this place. Well, it's Alaska. So he's trying to... But then they've been given all of these peptides, so maybe they shouldn't be cold. I don't know. I think they're still cold. They just don't freeze. Yeah. So maybe he's just pulled down his, as much, as little as he can. And that's why it looks like his pants isn't. Or maybe he just finished. Maybe he just finished. But he doesn't doesn't flush it and doesn't wash his hands. The dirty man. We see a second vent that shows an office. And then in the third vent, there's a woman doing sit-ups. And Snake says to himself, is that a woman? Not him. Well, clearly. There's an Easter egg here. Do you know the Easter egg? No. Why does the Easter egg? If you go back out the vents and back in, the woman will be doing a different exercise. And if you do it something like four times, she's got something like three or four exercises. Then the time after, she restarts the whole cycle of exercises, but this time she's doing it in just her underwear. Oh, okay. I've never done that. It's an old one. Cool. Cool. Do you get to see her pixelated? Well, no, she's in no, her underwear. Nothing. Yeah. You don't see pixelated anything. Okay. As we move further through the vents, the codec goes off again. 
and it's Campbell. He says the signal for the Darpa chief is coming from there, and we should drop down. And he breaks the fourth wall, telling us to look around in first-person view mode. We move down, and a cutscene follows. Snake jumps down the vent, and the Darpa chief is in the cell. He looks up and says, who's that? Snake lands on the ground, turns to the chief and says, I'm here to save you, then identifies the man as Donald Anderson, the Darpa chief. The chief seems worried about Snake's intentions, backing off and asks him who he works for. Snake holds up his hands, showing that he's not holding a weapon, and tells the chief he is the pawn sent in to save his worthless butt. The chief says it's true, referring to himself as worthless, and refers to Snake, saying that he does not like one of them, and to hurry up and get him out. Snake tells him to slow down, and first he needs some information about the terrorists. The first question being, that do they have an ability to launch a nuclear strike? The chief questions Snake, and Snake explains that the terrorists said if their demands are not met, a nuclear strike will be launched, and the chief then tells him that it is possible. As Snake and the chief are talking, the camera moves next door to the woman who can hear over the entire conversation. She stops exercising and starts to listen in. The camera pans back over the wall returning to the two men. But did you notice how thick the wall is? It's like four feet thick? So how can she hear that conversation? Through the air vents? But, uh, I find that hard to believe. Snake wants to know how they can launch a nuke when the facility is just for dismantling the warheads. And the chief tells him he has some classified information that experiments were happening with an experimental weapon. The weapon can launch a nuclear attack from anywhere, and he defines it as a nuclear-equipped walking battle tank. The camera then cuts to Metal Gear, showing it from various angles with a sepia filter, like a brown old-school one. Snake instantly identifies this as Metal Gear, to the chief's surprise. Even though Metal Gear is the most top-secret black project, then he asks how Snake knows. The reply is that they've had a few runs before, and he deduces that's why the chief was there, which he confirms. Snake says that he heard the Metal Gear project was scrapped, but Anderson tells him it's bigger than ever, and now it's a joint project between Armstech and DARPA, and the exercise was to collect data for analysis before mass production. We cut back to the cell, and Anderson tells Snake that the new Metal Gear is called Rex, Metal Gear Rex. Sounds like a dog. Yeah, it is like a dog, isn't it? He continues to inform Snake that the terrorists have already begun arming the warheads. Meanwhile, a guard overhears the men talking and starts to sneak over to the cell. The guard then knocks on the door and shouts, Shut up in there, will ya? The chief motions his hand to the guard and the camera pans around to show Snake hiding on the wall next to the door and the guard walks away. Snake breathes a sigh of relief and states that he believes that all warheads have safety measures, such as detonation code. The chief explains about the PALS and that two passwords are needed. He has one code, as does Kenneth Baker, the Armstech president. He then says they found his password and that Psycho Mantis read his mind. The woman is now pressed against the wall listening and hears the chief says it's just a matter of time before they get Baker's too. The conversation moves on how to stop the launch and Anderson tells Snake to use card keys which engages the safety locks on the nuke. The camera cuts back to the woman who says that card key. While Snake wants to know where they are and is told that Baker should have them, there are three slots in total and three card keys corresponding with it. Snake acknowledges this and asks about the whereabouts of Baker. His reply is that he's somewhere on the second floor basement, so where you went before, but you didn't find him the first time, no? No, because you need a card. This area has a lot of electronic jamming equipment and the entrances have been cemented over but have not been painted yet. But considering it's been about five hours since the revolution and the over, like, taking over the facility, 
I don't think cement would dry in five hours. Maybe it's quick drying cement. <laughs> I still find it hard to believe. Yeah, but maybe it's specially engineered cement. Maybe. With nanomachines. Sun. <laughs> There's a line from the chief that's almost fourth wall breaking, and he says, why don't you look for an area where the walls are a different colour? The chief then hands Snake his ID card to get around level one security doors. And they talk about how it's a pan, a personal area network, and it uses the salts in your body to transmit the signal, which I'm not sure is, you know, total kajimanis or not. It sounded really cool, but I was like, well, surely that's not possible. Snake then says he's going to bust the chief out, but the chief tells him to wait. He wants to know if Snake has heard of any other ways to disarm the pal, maybe from his bosses. Snake says no, and Anderson wants to know if the White House will give in his demands. To Snake says... That's their problem. The chief's speech gets more worried and he starts asking about the Pentagon. The music builds up and the screen starts to shake. Suddenly, he grabs his chest and shouts. The woman starts to bang on her door repeatedly and shouts what happened. The chief stumbles forward at Snake who cautiously backs away. He stretches out of his arms and he slides down Snake and lies motionless face down on the floor. Snake bends down and checks his pulse, then declares Anderson dead. Snake then moves the conversation to the codec. Snake asks what happened, but nobody knows but speculates a heart attack. Snake asks the colonel if he's hiding anything. Campbell denies it and says the operation is security level red and he doesn't have the access to complete the file. Snake does not buy this excuse, but the colonel says the Secretary of Defence is in the operation and Campbell is only there for support. He then tells Snake there's no time to debate and he must go find Baker. Then we return to gameplay, but there's nowhere to go, is there? You can run around the cell yeah. a little bit, I think. Can you move around the cell, actually, or not? Uh, I think you can just move back and forward in the cell, but that's it. You have to go out of the door. Yeah, but we can't do that straight away, because on our radar, we can see the woman in the cell. She's a dot, with a second dot outside, presumably the guard. And somehow, she manages to open the door, and then we hear them fighting. Then she moves from her cell in front of ours, and we hear the door unlock, then we can leave. As we leave, we get another cutscene where Snake cautiously exits the cell and looks around. He looks to his left, and the guard is naked, face down, on the ground, and knocked out. And we know he's knocked out, because he has a cartoon stars spinning around his head. What? It also, he's blurred, isn't he? Yeah, but his rear end, his whole, yeah. his exhaust, his rear exhaust is blurred out. <laughs> Which seems a bit stupid, to be honest with you. It, it uh, is. But also, it's a little bit... She was able to to open the door, knock out this guard, take off his clothes, put it on herself. All in, like, no time whatsoever. Ten seconds? Not, that. Yeah, not even that. How did she open the door? With, she used her womanly ways. Womanly ways. I don't know. Thought so. Maybe. Womanly charms on the door. Actually, probably, with the guard. I think something later on you find out. Maybe. I can't remember. Maybe we'll find out. Before Snake can look to his right, a gun is pointed at his head, and the woman says, Don't move. She looks into the cell and says that Snake killed the chief. Snake then turns to face her, and she mistakes him for Liquid, but realises that it's not him. Snake takes up a defensive stance ready to fight, and asks her if this is the first time she's pointed a gun at someone, because her hands are shaking. Snake pauses for a moment and pulls his gun. What happens if you don't have the gun? Uh. Because we got the gun out of the truck, and if we don't have the gun, I don't know what happens. Don't know. Shame. Maybe we'll try and find that out. I think in another version, I can't, if I was, if I remember correctly, if you didn't take the gun out of the truck, the DARPA 
chief gives you a gun, I think. Maybe. I think Looks he had like a gun a gun hidden. I think that's why. I think reading, if you don't take the Sockham gun out of the truck, the Darker Chief gives you a, a gun. I might try and get back then and see next week for the patch notes. He calls her out as a rookie, and she denies this, but then Snake says she has rookie's eyes. They continue to fight, and we see a squad of soldiers outside, stacked up, ready to breach. She tells him to open the door with his card, and he asks why, and replies that's so they can leave. Pretty obvious. The door opens, and the men bust in. Snake tells her not to think and just shoot. The music escape starts to play. So now we have a bit of gameplay and it's a battle. Men run in, we have waves of men run in three or four at a time. We have to shoot them and they drop various different items that we need. Bullets, rations. Uh, the radar's blocked, but what you notice the whole time she's like shaking, isn't it? She's like, and she shakes like vibrating on the spot type of thing. A second wave comes in, she screams and she mows down the entire squad of men. And then, do you use the reload trick here, or do you reload properly? I reload properly. What's the reload trick? You just hit, I think it's R1, and you just tap it twice, and he unequips the weapon and re-equips the weapon. And every time you do that, it's re-equipped with full ammo. Okay. So it's just a little shortcut, I suppose. So it's a short battle, and after we finish it, the battle radar returns to normal and gives a ping sound, like, after you discover it and it goes back to normal. Then the screen fades to black, and we get another cutscene. The woman scans the corridor for more people. She sees that it's clear and she runs for the lift. Snake shouts wait and the camera focuses on the woman's rear. And we know why. Bit of foreshadowing for later. And it's to yeah. show her hips and the way that she moves. Her hips move like a woman. They're not just trying to... It does come off as sexist again though, doesn't it? Well, I wrote down my notes here. Morel does a slow-mo ass run. <laughs> it's like a Baywatch. <laughs> he shouts after her. And he says, who are you, as she enters the lift. The screen fades to white, and we see the inside of what looks like of an operating theatre. There's a man who looks like the Darpa chief on the table. Liquid says, you've killed him. Another man says, I'm sorry, sir. While a third man in a gas mask says, his mental shielding was strong, and that he was unable to dive into his mind. So we know that's Mantis, right? Yeah. Psychomantis. And Liquid says, now we'll never get the detonation code. Mantis then says, boss, I have a good idea. We fade back to Snake chasing the woman. She reaches the lift, turns around and opens fire at Snake, who then hides. She then fist pumps the air in victory and the doors close. Mantis then appears in front of Snake and says, good girl, just like that, then disappears. Snake moves to the codec and tells Naomi he's had a hallucination and asks her if it could be the nanomachines malfunctioning <laughs> son it's the nano machine son <laughs> she replies they're working normally it was psychometric interference from mantis snake says so that was mantis and the conversation ends and we return to gameplay and we probably should just save uh, call Mei Ling and save have you got any more inspirational quotes from Mei Ling it was that she asked him have you gotten ready used to using the radar and then he's like oh it's great because um, she's the one who uh, developed it, I think. Yes, she is. Um, and then she said, oh, it's very convenient. It, it makes it easy for us to see everything that you're doing. And then Snake is like surprised. He said, you're watching everything. And she's like, yes, if you were my boyfriend, you'd never be able to cheat on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No way. So, right. yeah. So that section, it, that section of the game, it was, it's a nice introduction to the game, isn't it? It's really iconic, especially the cavern. You know, that's such an iconic scene in my memory. 
I did actually, you know, I did say I played through these games about two years ago, but I totally forgot how much Colonel Obvious bugs you. He really does bug you a lot, but I think now it might get a bit less intrusive. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I guess now, having played a lot more games and whatnot, you're used to this. But somebody starting out maybe playing, you know, this game was might have been one of the first games they played or one on the PlayStation, first PlayStation 1, maybe they needed that guidance. And as you say, it isn't as intrusive. Yeah. Well, for me, this is probably the first sort of 3D game of this caliber that I ever played. Yeah. And once you get... I mean... It's probably similar to a lot of games where they hold, not hand holding, but where you get the, you know, used to the controls early on and it'll drop off later on. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of questions here that, that are a bit strange, aren't there? What happened to the chief? And then why did we see the chief on a operating theatre? So that's a bit strange. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get answers for them later, but for now, I guess we just save it, turn it off and play it next week. <laughs> 